0: Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, you know, one of the values, cultural values for us at Authentic Church is honor. And uh, we have a saying, we honor up, down, and all around And when Fawn and I moved to plant Authentic Church, uh, we, we parachuted in. Literally, we didn't know anybody. And uh, and we were trying to meet different pastors and leaders, and you know, uh, God bless them. But there were some pastors that kind of give you the social stiff arm, you know. And then there was one pastor that brought us in and uh, just totally loved us from the beginning. Uh, he he was like championing what we were doing. Uh, he even said, "Hey, you know, we were having some issues getting the the final approval on the 501c3 with the great state of California." And uh, so we're jumping through all those hoops. But we had people that wanted to give into Authentic Church, and he said hey our church will set it up in our accounting and so your people if if they if you have anybody that wants to make a big donation before the end of the year for a tax write-off we'll set it up and we'll hold the money for you guys until your 501c3 is fully set up and then we'll just transfer and uh, we won't charge you anything we just want to be a blessing to you guys and that's my good friend Mr. Kerry Robinson can you stand up bro just say hi from this is Pastor Kerry love you bro uh he, uh, he, he just, they, they, him and his wife are amazing, they pastor a great church down in uh, South County called Movement Church, and if you know of any people that live down there, awesome church, and he's on vacation having sabbatical and shot me a text and said, hey man, do you mind if I come up and, and hang out with you guys today? And we were like, yes, please, so uh, it's just an honor to have you here, bro, we love you, and they've been doing an incredible work here for now 10 years in Orange County, and uh, sometimes when you're serving in ministry, it feels like you're just surfing. Other times it's like you have a jackhammer and you're just trying to get the ground to be a little bit, you know, fertile. And so they've done it all and their family is incredible and been a blessing. And, and uh, we just really respect and admire you guys. So thanks for being here today. Uh, we are launching uh, into a series. We started it last week. We're continuing this, this week called Jesus People. And uh, if, if you're not familiar, you are in epicenter of what was the Jesus People Movement that launched back in the 70s. So it's a little bit of a wink and a throwback uh, to what God did uh, back then. But we're believing that God's got greater things that he's going to do now. Amen? And, uh, and so we're going to take a look at a, um, a, a really cool passage of Scripture today. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, I just want to mention, uh, you know, Jesus, he is the only way. And if you're sitting here today, I want to tell you that this might have been on your calendar, like in the last 24 hours, somebody invited you to church, uh, but this has been on God's calendar your entire life. Like you have a date with God this morning and he wants to meet with you in a intimate, beautiful way. And Acts 4.12 says this, it says, there is salvation in no one else. There's nobody else. There's no way else that you're going to get to heaven except through Jesus. And some people believe if I'm just good enough, if my good outweighs my bad, then I'm going to get my out of jail free card and I'm going to go to heaven. And growing up Catholic I, I used to believe that <laughs> I used to think when somebody said hey I remember I had some people that were Christians uh, that like really read their Bible in grown up Catholic I'll be honest I, I I was an okay Catholic but I really didn't read the Bible and uh, and so I didn't know much about it so I had a Christian challenge me and say uh, do you know that you're going to heaven I'm like yeah of course I'm going to heaven man I'm like I'm grown up I'm Catholic I mean like for goodness sake hello my last name's Peter son I'm named after Peter like dude we're go- I'm going to heaven you know <laughs> And uh, I, he's like, well, how do you know? And I'm like, well, I'm a good person. And they're like, define a good person. I'm like, well, I haven't killed anybody. And they're like, I, that's a good thing, right? Yeah, that's a good But But I didn't have this revelation that Jesus himself said, I am the only way, the truth. I am the life. You're not getting into heaven unless you come through me. There's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. So if you're thinking you're just going to kind of skirt on in on the coattails of your parents or your friends or your family or what have you, that's not the case. You need to have your own personal relationship with him. And if you don't have a relationship with him, I hope today is your date with destiny and I hope you say yes to all that he asked for you because it's the greatest life that you'll ever know. And so Jesus, he ministered, and he actually lived, he actually died, he rose again, and sacred and secular historians alike agree that there is a man named Jesus that is from a place called Nazareth over in the Galilee region of Israel. They agree that he really lived, and he, when he rose from the dead, he appeared. There was over 500 eyewitnesses that said, yes, we saw him, and then Jesus He commissioned us as a body of believers, the first disciples, he commissioned them, he said, go into all the world. And you and I are sitting in church today as a result of what he did over 2,000 years ago. And so he lived for 33 and a half years, which is roughly about 12,000 days. And of the 12,000 days in the Gospels, which are basically, uh, there's four books in the Bible called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are a collection of the stories about Jesus that tell about him. And of all his of his life, of all the 12,000 days, we only have about 1,100 of those days recorded where we can read. And uh, there's the there's the virgin birth, and he does a bit of a cameo appearance and says what's up when he's 12 years old. But the lion's share of the ministry of Jesus, the lion's share that we read about in the gospel, is the last three and a half years of his life, from age thirty to 33, where he went about ministering. And it says this in Acts ten thirty eight. And I want us to get this as a church. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil. Why and how? Because God was with him. And that's the job description for us as Christians (laughs) and for authentic church, right? It's pretty good. If we just went around doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil, I mean, come on. If we would do that, we would change Orange County. If we would do that, we would change our, our streets and our cul de sacs, in the coffee shops and in our workplaces. We would see change come. In John 20, 21, Jesus says this He says, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you, authentic church. He's sending you. You say, He's sending me. I don't know, I don't know if I'm ready to be sent. Look, you have the testimony of what Jesus has done inside of your life, you're sent you're commissioned, you're called, all right? And Jesus had this ability, he could, he could see somebody and he could look past the hurt, he could look past the pain, he could look past the sin, he could look past the adultery, he, he could look past the lying and the cheating and the fornicating, he could look past all of that and he'd say, I love you, there is something special inside of you, he sees you for who you are and who he created you to be. And uh, this morning we're gonna we're gonna jump into a story. It's a story about a woman who had an encounter with Jesus at a well. And and we're gonna take a look at that. And a few few weeks ago when Fawn and I were on our, our family vacation, we're on a vacation, and the last night we're on vacation, I had a dream. And in the dream, um, yeah, you do have lots of dreams, and not every dream is necessarily a dream from God, but this one, I woke up and I like I I know that's from God. And in the dream. I, God walks me up to Needham Chapel, and I walk through the chapel, and I'm meeting different people that I've never met before, and there's different people, and it was kind of a ragtag crew of, of outcasts, and they're sharing their stories with me, and I'm listening to them, and, and, then, and then I walk out of the building, and then I, I, I find myself, God leads me in this dream to the backside of the church. And I'm coming up to the backside of the church, and He says, There's wells, there's artesian wells on this property. And he said, I want you to clear out the wells. And in my mind, in the dream, I'm thinking, like, clear out wells. Like, I've seen those, you know, advertisements with these Christian ministries where they're like, send money and we're going to dig a well in some place in Africa, right? You know, And it's there's going to be excavating and drilling and all this hard work to dig out these wells. And as and as I come around the back side of the church and I look there's a little trickle of water and rather than a huge excavation project all I had to do was just move a few debris this way and then walk over there was two wells and walk over and move a few debris that way and then suddenly they just started gushing forth water and it covered this whole property in artesian wells I went and looked up some information on this cuz I thought this is not a random dream, this is like a God dream. And artesian wells are different in the fact that the artesian water is forced to flow to the surface of land because of the pressure in the rocks underground. So catch this, there was, there's something, there's pressure that you don't see that's gonna bring forth life that everybody's gonna see. And you may be sitting here today and you're feeling this sense of pressure, but out of that, out of your belly is gonna come this living water from Jesus and there's a work that God is doing underneath the surface that nobody sees that's gonna bubble up and everybody will see. And there's four things about wells that you read about in scripture. Wells represent supply and provision. Wells represent encounters with God. Wells represent salvation and baptisms and an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Come on, who wants some of that in their life? Amen? So I felt like this was a prophetic dream for me and for our church, and if you're part of Authentic Church, then this is a prophetic dream for you as well. So if you want to tap into that well today, I just want to pray for us and encourage you to lean into what God would say. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into the word today. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit moving in. Right now, we just lean into you. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to speak. Speak to us. You have a word, I believe, for every single person in here, and so we just pause and we say, "Come and have your way, come and speak to us today, God." Pray you'd open our eyes to see something we never saw, our ears to hear something we never saw or heard before, and I pray that we would just just lean into you, that we would tune into your spirit. So, Lord, we just ask you to speak. God, we're so thankful. Thank you for what you did in worship this morning and worship time. God, thank you for just blessing us with your presence, God. Thank you for just having your way in this service, and we just pray, continue to do so, God. Continue to have your way. Have your way in our lives and speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All right, so the, the story about the woman at the well. So the woman at the well, so just so you know, just quick backstory on her, uh, she's an unnamed woman, although uh, church orthodox history would call her name Photonai, uh, and um, she, she, she was a Samaritan woman. She was married and divorced not once, not twice, not three times, which have been hard for a woman in that society, in that culture She was married and divorced five times. And she was looked at, not just as a social uh, outcast, her her life was just like, you're, you're worth nothing. And she would go to the wells, not when most women would go to the well at early morning hours when it's nice and cool. Because she was an outcast, she would go in the middle of the day when it's hottest. And during that time of being alone, week after week, year after year, she goes to the well one day, and on this one day, she encounters Jesus. And I guess with her life, she was maybe looking for what all of us are looking for in that she just wanted to be loved unconditionally. And she found herself in the arms of different men, and here she is, and she's having an encounter with the God-man, with Jesus Jesus. And, you know, Jesus. what I love about Jesus is uh, he doesn't back away and he doesn't shy away from our messes. Uh, he doesn't back away from confrontation like some celebrity pastors do. He, sorry, I'll be nice. He, uh, he leans into those moments. He leans into that awkward. And, uh, and he has a beautiful way of running to the messes. And, and he, like, obliterates cultural norm. Like, like he's, the, he's the kid in art class that's like, no, I'm just gonna color outside of the lines you know he's like the jazz musician that's on the guitar and just starts riffing and doing nothing that is close to traditional music theory right he just he just goes outside of what people thought the normal thing to do and he he brings a new normal (laughs) He, 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 he defies the culture before it was cool. Like he just goes outside of all that and he has this encounter with this woman. So we're gonna read about it in John chapter four. Now you gotta know about Jesus. Jesus, this is early on in his ministry and he had just started calling his disciples and they're a ragtag group of guys, kind of a motley crew. And they didn't really know what they were signing up for but they're like, yay, let's go, we got called. And so they're following Jesus. And Jesus' practice was he would wake up early in the morning. Yes, I know that sounds like a horrible cuss word to some people, but Jesus would wake up early in the morning. Come on, Authentic Church, if we could all wake up early in the morning and spend time with him. He would wake up early in the morning, and he would spend time doing what? He would spend time in prayer. And then during the course of his prayer time, he would get assignments from God. And on this particular day, the assignment of God was this. It says in verse 3, So he left Judea and he returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. He had to go through Samaria on the way. He had to go through Samaria on the way. And eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. And soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. So pause right here. Jesus is saying, I'm thirsty. And if you read through the accounts of his life, he will not utter those words again until he's on the cross, hanging, dying for the forgiveness of our sins. He says, I'm thirsty. And I just have a question for all of us today to think about as we read through this. What are you thirsty for? What, what are you thirsty for? Like, what are you really thirsty for? What are you really longing for? Is it something that's godly? Or are you really, if you're honest, thirsting for some things that God is saying, I'd actually not like you to drink that. I don't want you to drink of that. That's not going to be good for your body. You know, I'm challenged in in my health. My wife's always on me to drink more water because I like drinking coffee. And so, you know, it's like, you know, and I'm like, coffee actually contains water. I make it with water. She's like, no, that doesn't work, you know. And I'm like, I don't know that those studies are true. I think those studies that come out that tell you it dehydrates you are from the people that want me to buy water, you know. So anyways, that's the skeptic inside of me, the cynical side. But what are we really thirsty for? What are you thirsty for today? Verse eight. And Jesus, he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to go buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And so she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? In other words, like, uh, this is kind of like major faux pas for you, like, what are you trying to get to? What, what do you really want, right? She's skeptical. This woman was surprised. Sorry, verse 10. Jesus replied, there we go, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So she's focused on the physical. Jesus is focused on the spiritual, And that's a hint for us. When you go to share Jesus with somebody, when you go to share your faith, don't focus on what you physically see. Try to tune into what the Spirit is saying. Focus on the spiritual things. And you keep speaking the spiritual things no matter what you see in the physical realm because it's going to carry weight in their lives. So verse 11, she says, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. In this well, it's very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals uh, enjoyed? So this was this was Jacob's well. Jacob, if you know, there's Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Jacob's name later in life gets turned to Israel where we get the nation of Israel what from? And this is a well that he had that he gave to his son Joseph. Now this area of Samarit uh, of Samaria Um, Samaria was a no-fly zone for Jews. Like, you weren't allowed to go there as a good Jewish boy. And Jesus is like, come on, dudes, we're going. We're going to go there. And Samaria, actually, if you read back in the book of Joshua, Samaria was a place where all the Jews that they weren't Jewish enough, they weren't holy enough, they broke the commandments, the laws, etc., they get deported, and where do they send them? Samaria, right? It's like back in the day when Australia was just like a rock, and then they sent all the outcasts and the outlaws to Australia, and it populated with all those people, right? And so that's kind of what it was like for them back in that day. It's like, Samaria, oh yeah, that's where we send all the people that aren't the good enoughs. Those are the people that are the rejects. Those are the people that aren't following our laws. They're not doing what we're telling them to do, not following our ways. That's where we send them. We send them to Samaria. And then later on, Samaria actually goes through a season where it becomes the political epicenter for Israel, and then the king of Assyria destroys Israel, takes all these people captive, and, but there was some Jews that were left over, and they start, and then the king of Assyria says, hey, I'm going to send in all these other nations, because they got buildings, they got houses, they got land, they got farms, etc. We're going to send all you guys, we're going to give you free land, so you guys can go there, and you can take over all their land. So they go there, well, they found that there's some Samaritans, these of jewish descent that they never left and so they start intermarrying and then they have uh, marriages and they have idol worship and all this stuff and it gets all weird then there's a story about some lions were coming and attacking them and everybody's like this is because we're not really trusting in god so the king of assyria sends a priest over to this area and says hey reestablish the relationship with your god and kind of cleanse that area so they have this kind of like half breed half kind of baked, funky idea of who God is, and, and they built their own mountain temple on Mount Gerizim where they're like, this is where God appeared to Moses, and this is gonna be us, and we're not gonna read from the other books of the Bible, we're just gonna read from the Torah. And so that's, that's how they start. So they, they go all throughout this time, and then when, the, when the, 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 the Israelites are sent back, remember Nehemiah comes, and he comes to help rebuild uh, the walls of Jerusalem, the, the people that came and opposed them, it was the Samaritans, and so Sanballat, is, he's a Samarian, Samaritan, and so they came to oppose them, and so there was this constant friction that was happening between Jews and the Samaritans, and so here's Jesus, <laughs> and he could have gone around this whole area, but he chose to go right to it. Okay, let's get back to the text. Verse 13, so Jesus replies, anyone who drinks this water, you're going to be thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. In other words, what he's saying is this water, it's going to pacify you, but it's not really going to satisfy you. And there's certain things in our life, it kind of pacifies us for the here and now, but it doesn't really satisfy us for the long term. Verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Jesus it's kind of coy with her. He says, okay, go get your husband. And then it comes out. She says, oh, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had actually five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. And then I love her response. Sir, you must be a prophet. <laughs> When Jesus calls you out, it's good not to argue and pretend like you got it all together. Anybody ever pretend like you got it all together? I used to be that guy. Early on, when I was a you know, baby Christian and somebody asked me a question, I felt like, you know, as a young youth pastor, and I'd been saved like maybe a year when my pastor said, you're going to be the youth pastor, because there, there was nobody else in front. <laughs> so he just said, Jeff, you're about that age. You love God. You're passionate. You're going to be the youth pastor while we look for a youth pastor. Two years later, I was still the unnamed youth pastor. Right? And so, <laughs> so. But, you know, it's people would ask you, and you felt like you always had to have the answers, and then at some point you just go, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring it out, right? So she gives up. She's like, oh, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist, verse 20 that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim that it's here on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming. when well, it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Meaning this squabble about where to worship in these religious, it, it's not going to matter. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him. Jesus, I mean, look at this. This is Jesus the God-man talking about himself, right? We know all about him, like I know him. For salvation comes through the Jews, wink, wink. But the time is coming, verse 23, and indeed it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. (laughs) Verse 28, the woman left her water jar beside the well. She runs back to the village and she tells everyone, come and see, I love that line, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So, to help illustrate this moment for you, we're going to show you a clip of the the Chosen TV series. And if you've not seen it, it's an incredible art, artist rendering, um, art, artistic take on the life of Jesus. And it's a TV ministry It goes through right now. There's two seasons. They're filming a third, and they 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 took time to really grab hold of this moment. Now, I wanna say this, you don't build your doctrine around what you see in a TV miniseries, okay? <laughs> okay, this is, we're not building our doctrine around this, but it's a beautiful illustration. In Jesus, I firmly believe that if he was alive today, he would actually be in the film world because he loved to tell stories. And he told more stories than anybody, right? The parables of Christ, right? He told all these different parables to help people understand a point. So I want us to catch a glimpse of this. We'll go ahead and we'll roll for
1: it. We ate the last of Salome's bread last night. Master, we need to go into town for food. We can use the gold left for us at the fountain. Very well. There's a town about a mile west, Sicar. You all go. I'll wait here.
0: Someone should stay with you, in case.
1: I'm all right. Meet me at that well when you come back.
2: Be everything i've done oh he must be the christ
0: <laughs> every person needs an encounter with jesus and you as believers you owe it to your friends and family to help foster that encounter with him It's one of the reasons that the vision of our church, it's not just a cute slogan, it's actually we believe the heartbeat of Christ. The vision of our church is to encounter God. We we need an encounter with God. The people you know need an encounter with God. Our friends and our family, the loved ones that don't yet know Jesus, they don't need an encounter with you. They need an encounter with God, and as they encounter God in this house, our prayer is that they're going to discover community, and they will fulfill the call of God on their lives. John 4, 29, she said, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did, and she didn't say it, but I kind of think she thought it, and he still loved me. (laughs) Come and see the man that, that he knew everything I ever did, but he still loved me. What she had been searching for that she didn't find, she received in Jesus. So Jesus speaks to her and the light bulb goes off when he reads her mail, when he gives her a word. And that's why it's so important for us as a church, to be in the word. When you're people of the word, he's the daily bread. He's not the weekly bread, all right? He's not the monthly bread. He is our daily bread. If you need a word from God, get in the word of God. When you share about Jesus, go back to the word. Share about the word. The word of God leads us into encounters with God. So I have three takeaways today for us as we close. Number one is Jesus, people. Let's join Jesus in walking toward confrontation rather than around it samaria was a no fly zone for jews they they would have gone around it it would have been longer but Jesus chose intentionality. He said, I'm going to actually walk to this. I'm not going to sweep this under the rug. I'm not going to do what my disciples think that I would do because that's what other rabbis would do, have done with their disciples. No, no, no. I'm actually going to hit this head on. And you can confront people and you can do it in love without mincing down and mixing the truth. You can be truthful and confrontational in love. And God is calling us as followers of him to, to confront people and situations in this hour. Think of this, everybody refused to confront a giant but David, but when he confronted that giant, the nation ended up experiencing freedom and prosperity. There's giants that God is calling you and I to confront, that's going to lead our families and our friends and our children into areas of freedom. So they're not going to have to fight the giants that you and I fought. But he put us on this planet right here, right now, to slay those guys. Number two, I want to remind us that uh, with that, our, our, one of the things you hear a lot of at Authentic Church is a, is a saying that we have. And it's adopted from my pastors. And it says, life is short, eternity is real, and people matter most. You matter to God. Your friends matter to God. And so in number two, I want us to join Jesus in honoring those who have been dishonored. According to the scriptures, and they portrayed it beautifully, she was the first person that ever heard from his mouth, I am the Messiah. Go and research the text. You won't find him. Tell anybody else this before that time. Jesus decided to show himself And to disclose to her this broken, beaten down woman by society who was considered lower than low, an outcast, he decided to show himself to her first and say, I'm the Messiah. It's a lesson for all of us that we need to go to the people and not shy away from the people and not look at them the way that the world looks at them as an outcast or they've missed it, they've lost it, they've cashed in all their chips, they've wasted it what they're getting in life, you're sowing and reaping. You're reaping what you sowed. No, don't look at them judgmentally. Let's look at them through the eyes of Christ. Jesus had this way of moving the emphasis from the holiness of God to the mercy of God without ever being less holy, (laughs) and you and I can do the same. I said earlier, one of our cultural values as a church is honor Let's bring honor to people. In the the definition of honor, we believe honor is heaven's value, but the way that we have it laid out in, in our culture here at Authentic Church is one of our core values is this. We believe honor is the gateway that brings heaven to earth. Honoring God and each other is not optional. When we live a life of honor, we protect unity and create safe spaces for growth and honesty. Let's be people that brings honor to each other. Romans 12.10 says this, love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. And when you look at that word honoring and you look at the Greek verb tense, it says to place a value based on the price that was paid. Your value isn't based on what the world says. Your value is based on what Jesus did for you. Thank God we're not judged based on what we've done. We're based, our judgment and our freedom is actually based on what Jesus did to place value based on the price of something that was paid. You were bought at a price. So when you look at people, look at them through the eyes of Jesus. He died for that person. He died for that person that's on the street corner. He died for that person that's gone through divorces. He died for that person that's hooked on drugs and different things and pornography or whatever. He died for them. He died for you. He died for me. And number three, and I'm going to have the band join me up front now. As Jesus' people, we are called to worship in spirit and in truth. We are called to worship in spirit and in truth. What would happen if we would get up in the morning and have a time where we worship him in spirit and in truth? And it was in this moment of the conversation, Jesus with her, and he tells her this, and it it was a fresh revelation. That was a revelation that hadn't been disclosed. This was this in the in the in the law of first, this was a first moment where Jesus is sharing with her that it's not a, it's not gonna be about the temples, it's it's not gonna be about the mountain or the place. And it it it, it blew people's mind. You meaning I can worship without going to the temple? or the synagogue, or this mountain. I can worship even though I'm an outcast that hasn't been allowed to come in. I can worship, and he's saying, yeah, you can worship in spirit and in truth. Unfortunately, 2,000 years later, there's still some people that struggle with that. They think worship, go to worship. That's, that's the warm-up for the preaching of the message at church. Go to worship. That means I have to go into a place like this and hear the most incredible voices, like Sophie on guitar, or Cara on the piano, or Isaac on the electric guitar, or Bernard banging away on the drums. No, no, no. You you can have worship anywhere. It's the heart position. Just worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. So we're going to close today is coming from but we're going to close today John four twenty three. Jesus said a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers are going to worship the father in spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshipers that the father seeks if I could just pastor you for a moment today and encourage you to kind of lean in worship isn't about a song and The worship that you hear from whoever's leading worship, it's not for you, it's actually all for him. Some of you, you get hung up, you're like, they're not even opening their eyes. That's because they're not looking, their worship isn't for you and me. Their worship is just for him. And the reason that you sense the presence of God in this place today is because they've been gifted and they know how to worship in spirit and in truth. God's anointed them to help lead us into that place where we can have an encounter. And in the Psalms, there's, there's actually nine psalmic expressions of worship, nine key areas uh, that talk about worship, like bowing down before the Lord, uh, shouting unto God with a voice of triumph, um, clapping our hands, lifting our hands. Matthew 18, 3 says this, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children... You're never going to get into the kingdom of heaven. You know, little kids don't care what you think about them. Sometimes when we come into worship, like we're thinking more, oh man, I was off key on that one, sorry. You know, we're thinking about the person next to you. Can I I just help for you for a second? Nobody cares. You say, I don't want to lift my hands, I might be embarrassed. Nobody cares. But there's scriptures that talk about, like Psalm 63 verse four, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I'm gonna lift up my hands. I made a decision long ago when we started having all hundred kids of ours, all these kids that Fawn and I have. When we started having kids, I made a decision. I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna let my kids see me more excited about something like a football game than they see me about getting excited about the God who created me. And so lifting my voice and lifting my hands in worship was scripture. It was biblical. It's truth. But it wasn't for show. It was my spirit saying, God, I want to know you more. So I just would like to invite us all to stand today. And if you're here this morning and you've never done like the Psalms talk about in an expression of worship and lifting your hands, worship God however you want to worship God first. There's the disclaimer, okay? But if you've never lifted your hands in worship, Can I just encourage us all in this moment? Can we just lift our hands to God after what it says in Psalms? Can we just lift our hands and say, Lord, you're holy. You're holy. And you meet me anywhere. you meet me in a church. You'll meet me in my car. You'll meet me on a mountaintop still. You'll meet me when I'm in the shower. You'll meet me at the beach. You'll meet with me in the valley. Can we just worship Him? I'm going to have Sophie lead us in this last song today. I want you to sing to Him, and it's just a moment between you and Him. Just a moment between you and God, worshiping in spirit and in truth.
1: For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at authenticoc.com.